Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're locked on Fast Break Friday on the V-Show. Presented by AL81. AL8, the soft drink of tomorrow. AL8, a new kind of taste. AL8, the soft drink of tomorrow. AL8. It's from another place. Crisp, clean, L8. Bang. Emanating from the ESPN Louisville studios and heard throughout the Commonwealth on the PNV Network. Who in here trying to start a All right, welcome to Fast Break Friday, presented by AL8, Kentucky's original ginger soft drink since 1926. The big headed producer is out today. But Tobias is on the board, and glad to have him with us today. So uh, we appreciate that, that's that. That's a new one. Well, I cheated. I have an entire website of names that start with T. So yeah, so we can work that in later on. You can pick one if you'd like. Uh, the name from what? And any name that starts with T. His his real name we don't want to mention because then they know I know it. So I just call him any other name that starts with T. About Tobias. The, about Theodore. Theodore is one of my favorites. That's one of my go tos. And they have to be boys' names. No disrespect. We're not going to call you Tallulah. Although, maybe I will. <laughs> Paul Rogers here. Thanks for being with us. Fast Break Friday. We've got a day where uh, Caitlin Clark set the all-time women's scoring record. I do want to talk about that a little she bit. She needed eight points, and did she score their first eight points? I don't know. I just know she scored 40-something. <laughs> she got them. And, and, the and, the, and the one that broke, broke the record from was like, she came across midcourt and said, oh, let's get this over with. That <laughs> was unbelievable. She is, she is a remarkable player. But it does put into focus. She's now going after Pete Maravich's all-time scoring record. And it does give you an idea, though, about how ridiculously good he was because he did it in three varsity years. With no three-point no shot. No three-point line and averaged 44 points a game. I mean, helps when your dad's the coach, but he was that good. It's remarkable. But uh, there's that. There's, uh, they, Clay Thompson got dropped to the bench and then scored 35 points for the Warriors, so maybe they're not done yet. And with all of that, I want to talk about a Division Two women's game. Did you see this? No. At Francis Marion, where my friend was the men's coach for many years, a woman named Lauren Taylor set the new NCAA record for all divisions, she got 44 rebounds. <laughs> Thanks to my teammates for missing all those shots. For now, I, And you know what? I see some of these games and I roll my eyes because I see record-setting games where the team won, you know, 110 to 26, and I think, well, big deal. You know, all you did is you humiliated that other team. It was a terrible – this was not a terrible mismatch. It was 85-62. So it was relatively com- uh, competitive. She's 5'11". She got 30 defensive rebounds, 14 offensive rebounds. And that is now an all-time record in the NCAA. The Division II record used to be 36. The NCAA record of all divisions was 40 with Delta State in Division One back in 1983. And she got 44 re- – and I tip my hat to that. I don't care who you're playing because that's somebody who's not taking – got to be almost frenzied yeah. to get – I mean, it's like every rebound of the game. That's Dennis incredible. Rodman on steroids. That's pretty pretty impressive. Charlie Tyree on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, Charlie Tyree. God bless. Uh, so uh, first time for us to get on the air together after the uh, the doubleheader they played in uh, Boston where they w- won the first game handily and then came back in the nightcap and unfortunately <laughs> got Did I say this on the air or just to you? Uh, I know I said it out loud to somewhere, somebody at halftime. I hope they didn't just play their second half first, oh, and now did. they're going to play their no, first half second. you said it twice. You said it to me, and then you said it on the air, and you were right. It was exactly that way, much to my shock, because we'd been sort of dwelling on the fact that, particularly over the last 
say month or so, but to some degree the whole season, this team has played better in the second half. They've out, they, they were scoring like 10 more points a game in the second half. And even games they didn't win, a lot of times they came back to make it interesting coming back with good second half performances. So after they finally put together that terrific first half at BC, I thought, well, man, man we're, we're home free unless we've just flipped the script tonight. And that's <laughs> unfortunately exactly what happened. I was about as disappointed in that game as any we've seen because as we talked pretty much extensively on the pregame. You you felt like with the way Louisville had been playing recently and looking at two games against Boston College, you just beat Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, you thought, you know what, they can climb out of the cellar at least. They can can climb up maybe even out of that very bottom tier because you had also Virginia Tech coming up. At the time, you thought maybe even Syracuse and Pittsburgh were possibilities. Then, of course, they beat North Carolina and Virginia on the road, those two teams. Uh, but anyway, I, I just really thought we were set up to have maybe a, a somewhat satisfying finish to the season, and that just popped the balloon to me. I was really disappointed. Yeah, and not only you know it would have been different to some degree if they had played well, and then for some reason Boston College just started making everything they looked at, and you know they've got some good offensive plays. The kid post is remarkable. Tell that story. Did you tell the story in the air? But when you asked Brandon about the best post play, the oh no. I've, I like that story. I did. Uh, I think I told it in the pregame, but I'm sure people were, you know, people don't hear from beginning to end. But anyway, we, I was at breakfast the morning of the game. I just sort of on a whim, I was sitting at a table with Brandon. I said, hey, Brandon, how would you rate Post? And it was just sort of a lob ball question, you know, and he'd say, oh, man, he's really good. You know, well, right. he thought long and hard. <laughs> he says, he started, and he starts naming, you know, let's see, Baycott, Paul, <laughs> DJ Burns, and he was kept going back and forth. And I'm thinking, like, you know, Okay, you're going to be late for shooting. <laughs> but but finally, after much thought, he said, "I would rate him fifth. <laughs> wow. Um, so I guess he put. But anyway, you're right. He's he's really good. It was really good against Lowell. Remember, he began at Mississippi State, and I think played all that Mississippi State team to beat Louisville to keep them from going to New oh, York in the NIT well, on, in David Padgett's year. Probably did. All that long ago, like I was playing. <laughs> now guys are playing. I remember that guy from the late 50s. Yeah. He was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Um, you're right. The thing that the thing that is bad, and I mentioned this on the air so many times. I'm sure people did listen to everything and heard you that tell that story. They certainly heard me say this then because I beat it to death. But I can't help it. They just. It's not so much they're bad defensively. It's that they the objectives with which they play are undiscernible. You can't figure out what it is they're trying to do. They allow the ball to go anywhere the other team wants to throw it, and they allow the guy to catch it wherever he wants to catch it, and they have good players if you let them do that. I mean, if you don't let them do that, I don't know. I wouldn't know how good they are because Louisville didn't make them do that online. If Post wanted to get it in the, at the elbow, he got it at the elbow. If he wanted to get it in the low post, he got it in the low post. The, the other kid that... Um, I don't remember all their names that were one together, but the guard, whenever he wanted to just be able to take the ball down to the left side of the lane. Zachary, number three. Yeah, Zachary Zachary yeah. kept taking Williams to the basket and beating him. And, and you know, I tip my hat now to the things that Trey does do well. He is a very aggressive rebounder. I tip, he is really good at getting the ball in traffic, and he can score. But his defensive decisions are head-scratchingly bad, and teams are scouting, and they know that. And so you got to make it harder for the other guys to make them turn their back. You know, Rick used to keep deflections. I'm beginning to think that would be as – useful a stat to chart as anything. How often do you get the offensive team to turn their back? If you can get them to turn their back, you're, you got, you know, coaches always use that term, oh, we got them on their heels. Well, that literally is putting them on their heels. Now they have to play. Even if a guy's open, they may not see him. They may not be able to get the ball mm-hmm. to him. But they play like throwing darts. Throw it to this guy, throws it to that guy. And I like Earl Grant's offense. If you let them do whatever they want, it looks good. They get it. To Most offenses do. I was going to say. It's, and so it's, all, it's always easy to run your dummy offense out there when there's no yeah, well, preventing you well, from there going where you want to go. There were five guys out there, but they <laughs> didn't, they might as well have been running a dummy. You're absolutely right because it was uh, it was it, you know they did very little to deter them, and that's going to be the problem. Their offense is not like Alabama. I was I'm getting ready. I have the Alabama A and M game tomorrow, so I'm doing the prep work for it. Alabama's offense is give you an idea how good it is. It's one of the top ten or twelve. I can't remember the number offenses 
inefficiency <laughs> since Ken Palm started keeping that statistic in 1999. So wow. think about that. That's what is that? Uh, uh, 10, 20, 24, 25 years times 300 teams. That's a lot of offenses, and they are one of the 10 most efficient. They don't guard very well. They're only 75th. But my point is, I don't think Louisville's offense is going to take its place among the greatest of all time. But it's respectable mm-hmm. now. It's it's competitive right now. But their defense is so poor. I don't know how. You just got to hope the other team's missing that way. And that's a terrible way to play, I think, anyway. When you just sit. Hope, that, hope they miss it. Yeah, hope they miss. <laughs> and, let's, and then they are rebounding. But, you know, you, you got to play um, a little bit better defense than that. What uh, Pitt just got off beating Duke. No, Pitt beat at one at Virginia that same night that uh, Louisville lost. But they've, to all, they've also beaten Duke at Duke, I think. If I'm oh not yeah, they, yes, they, yeah. I'm sorry, they did. But that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so they beat their Duke. first win at Duke. So in a long, Pitt long has time. won at Duke yeah. and at Virginia, right? And at Louisville. <laughs> True. <laughs> wow. And then um, you know Louisville has another game with Syracuse, who I, I'd kind of looked at as a vulnerable team, and, and they have been a little up and down, but they did knock off North Carolina at home the other night. So well, that's at home, though. Fortunately, we don't yeah. have to go there again because it seems like the ends of games officials lose their minds. <laughs> so uh, how ironic is it that Jeff Walls gets fined twenty thousand dollars? Okay, and then they come out and admit he was right. I know that's. That, that just, no, if he hadn't done that, this would have probably never been addressed. So it, it it's a well-spent $20,000 no, in his mind. I agree. I mean, sure. I, I, don't, I don't fault him in one bit. I mean, I, I just, uh, um, I don't know what, what, what else you can say about it other than it's inexplicable. I mean, as I said, you, you try, it's, it's, you know, it makes, you know, he's an, isn't a, a very not often discussed sidebar to that that makes it worse. There's all, there's not certainly a, a you know majority of fans, but there's a not insignificant number of fans that are always convinced games are rigged or they're trying to screw somebody or something. Mm-hmm. And when you don't get an explanation for why they called that, then all of a sudden people, when there's no information out there, they fill in the box. So I've had people read, she hates him, she hates male coaches, yeah. she hates, and you just say to yourself, it would be a lot easier if they would just get up there and say, listen, here's what I saw, here's why I called it. And then you could say, well, I disagree with that. Okay, that's fine. But same thing with the goaltend. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like them to say, we thought it hit the backboard. Okay, well, the replay shows you got that wrong, but okay, that's why you called it. But it doesn't make any sense when they can't ever explain themselves. So now people fill things in. That uh, In the tournament, they have the pool reporter yeah, that, can, one. that can at least ask a question so it's I, I i don't think officials have to defend each and every single call and there are many many judgment calls but when you have a call that seems to blatantly be either wrong or certainly deserves an explanation i, I see i don't see why they can't say just as you said well this is what i saw this is what i thought you remember a game um it was when Pegues, shortly after Mike Pegues had taken over in, in, on an interim basis after Chris retired, uh, resigned. And um, we played in North Carolina, played a really good game against Carolina. And late in the game, Armando Baycott got Sid Curry in basically a headlock, and they called a foul on Curry. I don't remember the play. Um, I'm trying to think who the official was. He's, he's a, normally a good official. I like him. Um and we all on the replay so oh my gosh how can you miss that but i think he missed it i think there was i'm trying to remember all the circumstances around it. i think there was maybe a little bump or something beforehand and he he might have seen that and then just didn't see, see that. the other thing and if you can simply say i'm sorry i didn't see it right then at least you got an explanation because frankly it, it was one of those things that you didn't really know what had happened till you saw the replay so and and I'm all for officials making tough calls, and and uh, if I didn't see it live, then I'm not going to criticize them for not seeing it live. I saw it on the replay. Went, right. Oh my gosh! Well, right. the official probably did the same thing. Exactly. Like, oh God, how did I miss that? But he did. So if they'll simply just step up and explain the call, I think that would mollify well, a, a lot of people. The game, as I said, I'm getting ready to go do um, Alabama and A and M, and I don't know if you saw it. A&M just came off a very disappointing loss for them. They had won three games in a row and some good wins in the bunch. They beat Florida. They beat Tennessee by like 16. Oh, killed Tennessee. Yeah, and then they go and lose at Vanderbilt. But, oh, I didn't realize I missed that. Oh, yeah. Vanderbilt beat a on a buzzer shot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Buzz was almost crying after the game. He was so <laughs> upset by it. But the uh, he was gracious to Vanderbilt. But, but in the Tennessee game, I don't know if you saw it, 
there was a play. Buzz was trying to get his team to call timeout. The game was going on. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes coaches will do this. It's very loud. Maybe the team made a basket. It's going to be a potential three-point play. And so they're all cheering, you know, while they're getting ready to have the guy go to shoot the free throw. And so he's trying. His team doesn't hear him, so he walks out on the court. The game is going on, and Buzz walks out. He's walking. The players having to avoid him. He's walking out. A Tennessee guy's running down the floor. There's Buzz, and he has to run around him. And he goes in the midcourt circle to get the official's attention to call timeout. Rick Barnes was not pleased needless to say he was like i don't know how it's it's we all know that you know they'll let it go if you're trying to get your team's attention and you go down past the line in the box and then he'll tell you get back but okay but he was standing in the midcourt circle while the game was going on he said how is that not a technical they foul didn't call it technical no. and he and pat adams who you know is yeah. one of the good officials and he and rick was just he spent one whole time out of that ask him how is that not a technical foul it's an automatic technical foul yeah. you can't walk on but that's what drives people crazy is how when you see something that seems so mm-hmm. black and white like i'll be honest with you it was mick i think no it wasn't who was it well, i don't even remember who it was now it's not mick thank goodness there was a guy who uh, i got pretty friendly with at um oh manhattan he was there before messi Ste- oh I was going to say Steve Asiello was before him. Yeah, before Masiello. Yeah. And they were playing, you know, Cincinnati, I think. And uh, the game was going on. And we considered, you know, he considered me a friend. I thought he was a friend. He was nice to me. But he literally went from his bench to the other sideline. He was about five feet off the other sideline gesticulating. And I was trying to get the – I don't know know what he was doing. Hmm. But I said – This was when – it was oh god how many years but Masiello was at Maryland Manhattan like ten years oh, ago okay. this guy was Just two years that. before that and what so were you doing I was doing TV for ESPN oh okay and and I and I said on the air you can't oh my god I said he's he should be and he get they threw him out of the game and I said well he deserved that I mean you can't <laughs> no. be in the other sideline during the <laughs> right. course of the game and he was afterwards like. He was not meanly, but he was like, how did you not have my back? I was like, have your back? What am I supposed to say? You're on the other blanket sideline, for God's sake. So that's when, you know, it's one of those things like when you see a call like that, there's no defending it. And that's what drives fans crazy when – and I I think I like Buzz. He's an interesting guy, but I like him. But he's in the midcourt circle. That's a technical foul. It's a technical foul. It's not like, well, it could be this, it could be that. It's a technical foul. That's what I, I – there are so many judgment calls that are so hard to get right every time or even even know if they're right. I mean, I've, I'll watch block charges over and over and over again and say, I still don't know. Exactly right. So that's fine. It's got to go one way or the other to make the call. But then you do every once in a while see these puzzling, just blatant, huh? Where did that come from? <laughs> exactly. Like the intentional foul on the level. And then – those are the things that I can't figure out. The only thing I'm hoping is something good can come out of that. They need to change the phraseology because Jeff's right. Every foul in that situation, that's your intent. Yes. Intending to, so somebody suggested to the show, I think you might have heard, a strategic foul. That's what you should call it. It's a strategic yeah. foul because it's always an intentional foul. Sure. And so that means at any given moment, that official could then say two shots on the ball and be mm-hmm. de- and defend it. Well, what are you going to – I mean, that's kind of crazy because you're going to have 100 fouls at the end of the game. You just got to hope, roll the dice, that, well, this guy's not going to call it as an intentional, even though everybody in their right mind knows it's the intent was to foul. So call it a strategic foul. I always thought that any time you made a play for the ball – then that was not a flagrant or intentional foul. Well, it could be flagrant, but basically it's not an intentional foul if you make a play for the ball. And then in recent years, it had gotten to where you didn't have to make a play no, for the ball. You were making a strategic, strategic foul, foul, which that's what everybody was interpreting it to be. And Except so why, lady. out of the blue, this lady decides to call it an intentional foul? That's made, what I made mean. made no sense. That, and then, as you said, the NCA says, yeah, she shouldn't have done that. But yeah, give us, give us <laughs> but, 25 grand. Yeah. <laughs> was it 25,000? I think it was 20. 20,000. Crazy. Ten thousand a Rick. <laughs> what? Ten thousand a Rick. Ten thousand a Rick. Okay. A Rick. Of, a Rick of wood. Ten thousand. He gave oh. you a Rick for ten thousand. Oh, I did. okay. Didn't right. you see the stack of wood? He chopped. He chopped. He chopped up the wood in his house from the from. They had some trees taken down, so he no. chopped up the wood and had them for sale. Two Ricks for ten thousand. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. oh, I didn't even know. I was wondering what the hell you were talking about. I thought it alluded to Patino's. Oh. What did Patino do? Patino selling wood now. He's in the wood business. Um, Louisville and Pitt coming up. Uh, Paul, be there. I'll be in uh, where is that? Tuscaloosa. Uh, Louisville at Pitt on uh, Saturday at uh, 6.30. 94.4% chance that Pitt wins the game, according to the 
uh, calculator. Oh. So uh, I, I, Louisville's playing way better than they did when they've played Pitt the first time. But you could say, well, so is, so is Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, you know, you can play the, the old uh, conventional bounce. You know, they, they, they had the big one. Now are they going to come out flat against Louisville? But I don't always buy into that. It just It's just too easy to yeah. say. Uh, I, I tend to think when you play a really good game against a really good team, that gets you all riled up. Yeah. Now maybe something will happen. And I, I remember when Louisville's football team that was going so good – and after the Notre Dame win, lost at Pittsburgh. Their, their first and only loss until what happened right at the end of the year. <clears throat> and immediately, it was, oh, man, they, they overlooked Pitt. They came out flat. And I didn't think that was the case at all. In fact, they, they did what they always do. They stopped Pitt, went down the field and scored. They're off and going. And then some crazy things happened during the game, and they wound up losing the game. I didn't think they had – I didn't think – personally it had anything to do with they were coming off a win over notre dame it's just that's the way it happened so well i'll tell you one thing i want to address i'll let you or ask you to respond to as well and that is the um i i feel bad because people are oh, you lecturing us again but no, this one i'll plead guilty to i'm lecturing a little when you say after the game that they aren't able to stop them because there there's no effort that's ridiculous. I don't buy that. No, I don't. This either. team is trying very hard. They don't know what to do defensively, and they're not, they're not good individual defenders, and frankly, they do not play cohesively as a team defense, and so therefore they get lit up like a Christmas tree. But they are trying. They haven't quit on each other. They haven't quit on Kenny. It's not quite that easy. I've said on the air, and you and I have talked about, that effort makes the biggest impact in Rebounding and defense. Yes, it does. You you can compensate for a lack of great skill. If you can't shoot, you can't shoot. But if you can hustle and move your feet, you can be adequate defensively. But sometimes you're just not good. A guy's a good example is Curtis Williams. Curtis was trying really hard at the end to guard uh, uh, Zachary. I watched him. He was down in stance, has hands out, has feet moving, and the guy was going right by him. I mean, it's, he's just not good yet. He's a freshman. He's not experienced yet. A lot of these guys have had played played AAU ball where they weren't asked to mm-hmm. defend very much. Their role was to score 35 points and not get in foul trouble. And so they've got to get better, but it's not for lack of effort. I'm amazed how cavalierly everyone says that. Sometimes it is, but often it's not. It's just that they're not... I mean, I could go and really try very hard to lead Louisville's biology department, but I would suck at it. I mean, I don't know anything about biology. So it's the same thing, I think. And that would be interpreted as a poor effort. Yes. They, they, he's not even trying. He doesn't know You know, he doesn't know photosynthesis. For I, that, that carries over a lot of ways. I, I frequently in watching golf, PGA golf, well, guy will just make a really bad putt, and they'll say, "Well, that was a lousy effort." Well, no, he wasn't. He wasn't trying, not trying. <laughs> yes, he, he just is. he might have misread it, or he might have mishit it, but it wasn't a bad effort. Hey, that, that was, was Tiger Shank yesterday a bad effort? No, he wasn't trying. <laughs> At that point, he wasn't trying. I mean, and I agree. That's just craziness. We we throw things like I hate that discussion about. Well, they just wanted it more. Okay, uh-huh. philosophically, suppose you wanted it as much as you could, and he wanted it as much as he could. <laughs> Doesn't one of you have to lose? I mean, it's a zero sum yeah. game. Do they just playing to infinity nope we never had a winner because they both really wanted it <laughs> yeah. i mean it's, it's yeah. just, we say stupid I, crap I all that. the time well i i frankly uh you know we we just wanted it more and the other one is uh we just came out flat i think sometimes players say that because they're not sure what else to, to say. say i agree it's just you know and buzz to his credit sometimes it's the other guy's movie and you're in it and vanderbilt i don't know if you saw the game they made everything they looked at they shot like 50 some odd percent from the three-point line but uh by the way, that is, I'm sorry, the coolest place to watch with the teams at the end. Vandy. I just, I guess, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty. You know, and now as we talked about this, you and I, one of the shows on it last week or the week before, as the buildings get more corporate, they get more, they all look alike and they're all, you know, they, they, they kind of the, the, the idiosyncrasies that make up the, the old baseball stadiums or the old basketball arenas are kind of wiped well, out. Well, at, at Vanderbilt, at last count, I haven't been there in several years. They had seven scoreboards because they needed that many for everybody to be Did able to really? see a scoreboard. I didn't know There's so many nooks and crannies <laughs> in that building. And, and, and you're right, the benches in the end zone. Uh, both of them in the end zone. Here, I'll, I'll date myself. When I played high school basketball, our benches were in the end zone. They were? Yep. were at, at your school? At, or? Yeah, at Eastern. At Eastern. They I, were. Let me think. I think, we might have, I think they might have moved to the sideline. My 
at some point. But I do remember being in the I played one game with them at the end when I was in college. Hampton Sydney Division Three school in the western part of the state. Their building, they have a new building now, but they had an old gym, and the the it was disconcerting. I'll be honest with you. The two the benches, first of all, they're very close because there's not much room on the end line. They're right next to each yeah. other. Oh, and, they were on the same end zone. Yeah. Oh, we had them in opposite. No, this was. Uh, I think. Didn't I don't know about that. They're Maybe both, we were. We know what we were. We were in the the benches. I think would have had to be in the same end zone because there were yeah. bleachers at the other. That's what I'm end saying, huh. yeah, wild, <laughs> wild times. We'll take a break. Keith Farmer will join us. We'll talk about uh, the cats and uh, what's going on with them, and um, we'll continue here on Fast Break Friday. Paul, oh, I forgot my book. I don't know how we did last we, time. I have us, and I'm prone to be wrong, but I had us both with four wins. Okay, wow, nice week, four to six. Yeah. Well, nice. no, because I'm counting total because we each had three for I don't I'm not sure if they were on the record the Super Bowl bets we made yeah because we picked we picked that's right what we picked I'm sorry we picked three games three Super Bowl yeah. bets and then as a bonus we just picked a Super just Bowl winner fun. yes and I actually did count that and that's and because no, I lost well that. let's don't because you, you won and I lost all right well I'm, we <laughs> well, said that, that case, was a bonus bet then in that so case, four three. I won four and you won three. Oh, you won by one. Oh, I won the bonus bet because yes. I had the Chiefs. So okay. now you want to count it, don't you? No, that's fair. That's fair. No, I'm, I'm like that. I'm, I'm, I'm technical foul. I'm going to get on screen. So we'll, I'll total it up. Remind me when I get home, I'll put it in the book. Uh, Keith Farmer joins us next. Thanks for being with us. ESPN 680-1057. Thanks for listening in Lexington. Presented by uh, AL8, Kentucky's original ginger soft drink since 1926. Taking care of your family isn't always easy. So we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to Fast Break Friday, presented by AL81. Crisp, clean, L.A. Emanating from the ESPN Louisville studios and heard throughout the Commonwealth on the PNB Network. <laughs> Boy, let you go. So you just did a little job. That's going on a year. We're on. That's what Bugs Bunny says. To, that's what Daffy Duck says to Bugs Bunny. And that, uh, remember that? He's like, "We're on!" And they run out behind the curtain, and that's when Daffy dances his Bugs does, dun, 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 and they all go nuts. And then Daffy dances his ass off, and he finishes, and you hear trip, 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 just crickets. I love that cartoon. I saw when my grandkids were real little. They love Tom and Jerry cartoons. Oh, nice! And and now I can't get them to even glance. Every time I see one, I email email it to them, and I can't even get a response. But my latest thing that I texted them both was there was a picture one day. I love these animal pictures Me and too. things that come up on, on Twitter. And it was a cat lying down with his arms pretty much around a mouse. And the caption was, Tom and Jerry relaxing after a hard day of acting. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, let's uh, welcome our friend in big game for the, uh, for the cats uh, this week. And a tough task, I would think you would uh, say, as they take on Bruce Pearl and the uh, Auburn Tigers, and uh, we'll talk to Keith about that right now. All right. I mean, safe to say it's a big game, right? Uh, certainly, you, you got to look at it that way, don't you? I mean, they're, they're kind of all big right now, because there's grumbling again. Where are we on the meter? On the on the, uh, the, uh, the grumble meter. Yeah, but what is the, what did I, yeah, the, what, I forgot we gave it a was term. It, was it one to five or was it one to ten no one to five it was one to five and one is there they want to go to his house and help him pack boxes five is they want to have a parade for him no i think um i can't remember what i gave you last time i wanted to say it was a three yeah i think you did four yeah yeah i I think it's, it's about the same right now okay i think there was some optimism especially you know last game with 
the defense maybe taking a turn, you know. Um, granted, it was Ole Miss. Um, not a very tall team, uh, as Kentucky is, but uh, still nonetheless, you know, a little bit of, of optimism there. Well, you got a game where they are the better offensive team, at least by points per game, but they are not nearly as good defensively. Auburn's pretty good defensively. They only give up 66 points a game. And, uh, you know, Kentucky's been trying to outscore people, basically. That's really what the answer has been. And Auburn will still play yeah. some defense and uh, and hold people down. Let me see. Their last games, they've given up 61, 65. They did give up 81 to Alabama, who's pretty who's one of the best offensive teams in the country. Uh, 77 at Ole Miss and 54 at Vanderbilt. So, um, you know, what, uh, what, what are you looking at in that matchup of uh, – well, you know, which is more significant, Kentucky's explosive offense or Auburn's much much stingier stingier defense? Um, I think. Oh boy, that's a good that's, question. That's kind of a tough that's what one. I do. Yeah. It, it is. It really is. Um, I think Kentucky offensively has not had too many problems. They've had a couple of games where you know nobody's shown up, but um, I, I think more so it's going to be their defense. Um, you know, predicating everything. I mean, the the reason I say they took a turn uh, against Ole Miss is because they didn't rush out and try to make the offense happen. They didn't just, you know, take off running for offense before securing the ball Mm -hmm. on defense. And and so I think in that sense, they let their defense predicate what happened on offense, which is how they have to play. I mean, you can't just have four guys running down the court and waiting on one guy to get the rebound right. So – um, you've got to make the stop. They they have a thing called kills, and that is three straight trips making a stop. And they did that several times. I know looking up at the stat broadcast, I, I noticed several times where you know Ole Miss is on a three-minute and 30-second drought. Ole Miss hasn't scored in four minutes. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. Right. That happened several times. Right. Those so, kills, that kill uh, stat was a big Chris Mack benchmark. Yeah. Uh, so I'm familiar yeah. with it. But I saw – one of the players in the post game made a comment we had, and I forget the number, but I'm not sure he had it right. It was a ridiculously high number of kills in the first half, like it was <laughs> yeah. double digits. Well, and I'm not sure you get that usually, many posi- usually if you get seven, Chris was seven, so and you have a good chance. And this was like ten in the first half, and it just almost didn't it add seem up. Like this so, many possessions, yeah. but but the point is, as you said, it's. You make defensive stops, which Kentucky had not been doing. I mean, Ole Miss shot, what, 30-something percent, 35 or so from the field? I don't have the box. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you you just – again, you can't just take off and and not have made the stop on the defensive end. And and so that's where, obviously, their concentration has had to be in those last few games. But I think now they're realizing, you know – hey, until we box people out or let Ugo block another shot and we have the ball, we can't take off running the other way. Well, yeah, Ole Miss shot 37% and five of 22 threes. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, I, we, we've talked about this, some kind of a broad picture question because it's hard to make any damn sense of the ACC. It, it really is. You don't know who from one night to the next. And I got a game tomorrow in the SEC, A&M in Alabama. And A&M had just won three in a row. And you go, boy, they really hit their stride. And then they go lose at Vanderbilt. So I, I don't know. Yeah. How, how goofy is the SEC? Is it the same deal? Is it kind That's of – pretty crazy right now. Is it? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've seen – Games like that where you expected somebody to walk in and take care of business, and they don't. And um, and we've seen some people pull off some upsets. And uh, I think, you know, you've got your definite few leaders right now, uh, you know, like Alabama and Auburn. And, um, you know, everybody else trying to, to kind of move up that ladder. I mean, obviously, Kentucky, the reason this one's so big is they're starting to get close to that top four seed where you get a couple of days off in the SEC tournament. And there are still seven games left, but I think at some point you got to start thinking, you know, we can't let many more get away. Yeah, for the people who don't like us have their their phone in their hand and the standing in front of you. Alabama is a half game in first place. They're nine and two. Auburn and South Carolina are nine and three. Although Auburn just was just recently they got off that didn't they just drub um, South Carolina? They beat them by like 40. they annihilated yeah. them by forty. Oh, yeah, that was that came out of the blue. <laughs> Tennessee's a game back at eight and three. Then Florida and UK are both at seven and four. So technically Kentucky's tied for fifth, but they are also just one game out of third, and they're also 
just one game out of sixth. Texas A&M is only a game behind them. So yeah. everybody's bunched yeah. up except for winless Missouri and Vanderbilt, who came out of nowhere. To, and Arkansas, those three teams are not very What good. the heck happened to Missouri? No, did I that thought guy, they were supposed to be that, decent. Yeah, what, was, and this is second year. I can't think of his name. But the guy that took the job was last year, was yeah, they were really good. Yeah. And they're yeah, they were, terrible. and I, I don't know that they lost that many players, but um, you know, again, I just feel like that there's times when you go into the portal and you bring somebody in, and maybe it just doesn't work as well as you thought it would. Uh, could be part of the case. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, they, they, you know, and where did Arkansas go? I mean, we talked yeah. about that. I think the last time, well, uh, are, you know, it's just it sounds like anarchy the there. They're they're going crazy down there. I mean. Yeah. They just, I don't know. You know, his father was a bit of a loose cannon, Musselman's dad. Uh, but, you yeah. know, you talk to him, Paul, I'm talking about, talk to him in Hawaii, and he seemed very nice. But they've turned on him almost irrationally quickly, it seems like. I mean, didn't he have him, like, in the deep end of the tournament, like, they, twice they, already? They, and two now or they three times. One yeah. bad year, and they're ready to bounce I the did, guy. I didn't realize they were already getting yeah, on that much. He's, you're right, he's had a rough year. But he's, he's what you said, he's kind of a loose cannon. He, he's... Pretty when you're winning, those things are fun and exciting. But when you're not, it probably gets old. To to, to tie up a loose end for earlier, Dennis Gates is the coach at Missouri, yeah. and he was the first guy. You are right. He won 25 games in his first year there last year. It was the highest win total in mm-hmm. 11 years. He joined only Tubby Smith, John Calipari, Eddie Sutton, and Trent Johnson as first year. Uh, uh, first-year coaches with 25 wins or more. I remember a lot of people around here who didn't like what was going on with Louisville and Kenny Payne citing him as, well, that's the guy we should have hired. Well, are they saying that this year? Yeah, that is, that <laughs> it, is truly it, bizarre. It's changed quickly. From that to they, yeah. haven't, they haven't won a league game yet. Yeah, 0-11. Even lost to Vandy. Anyway. I'll tell you what's crazy with this game also with Kentucky is that Yesterday, we, you know, they seat 9,000 at that arena down there in Auburn. And yesterday, kids were already out camping out trying to get tickets. Really? You know, getting in line. Uh, So, you know, if you think, you know, 40 points over South Carolina, I'm sure they had a pretty good crowd there, but you know, this one's going to be pretty insane. Yeah, I guess. And Bruce Pearl loves nothing better than to beat Kentucky. So, well, he, he likes to beat everybody. He's 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 good. Coach. <laughs> do you know? Do you know the trivia that, that you may not know this, but I like to share this because of all things, he, he's you can you can have fun with him. I, he's he's not thin skinned. Who? Bruce Pearl. Okay, oh, but yeah. this for some reason he does get his back up a little bit. He is the answer. Uh-oh. He is the only. Division One coach, I believe, in the country who at one time served as the mascot for their team. He was he was the manager for D- Tom Davis at Boston College, and the Eagle didn't show up, and so he had to be the Eagle. They don't have that guy there anymore. They used to have a guy who'd go around and flap his wings. And uh, you're thinking of St. Joe's, are you? No, that was, was the Owl who used to yeah, flap flaps yeah, but, the no, whole he had, he game. Was, it was it was definitely that's what Tom Davis was, and they had an okay. eagle. They, they had an eagle, and so he had to go out there and <laughs> and they, they asked him. He said, "Would you would you mind?" And he was the good little soldier that he was. So he was the manager, and so he went out there and he was the eagle. He dressed up as the eagle, and I'm fairly certain he does not like when you bring that up. So uh, that's your. I, oh, I shouldn't Why say that. He never forgive me. me though. The fans should show up with big pictures of the eagle, just stand in the end zone and hold it up there. So although. Well, the guy who's willing to take his shirt off and paint up for the women's game at Tennessee has a pretty right. low bar of yeah. embarrassment, I guess. He does not, doesn't embarrass easily. Well, yeah. That right. came about. Uh, uh, when uh, did, he do, he, did he do that first and then at a game after that when Pat Summit sang Rocky Top? Yeah. He did it first. She okay. she did that in response yeah. to him. That his was really cool. The interaction between yeah. those two. Yeah. He was he was good that he embraced it. I, he's he he gets it. He knows how to um, he knows how to win the pe- the people's over. And uh, hopefully he'll do that in his uh, the next coach here at Louisville. Whenever whenever it is that Kenny <laughs> decides to, leave. I'm kidding, just kidding. Um, all right, so you making a prediction here? Because I got to be honest, I'm going to piss the cat fans off. But I don't think they're going to get it done. I think Auburn is Auburn hasn't been beaten at home yet, and I think they're going to be fired up for this one because you know you can get mad at Cal and roll your eyes, but he's right. Everybody gets up for Kentucky, and you don't go win in a place where they haven't lost all year unless you kind of catch them on a on a down night. I think, and they're not going to be down. They're going to be sky high. That's my take on mm-hmm. this. What do you think? Yeah. 
No, I, I do think I would give the edge to Auburn. I, I just think it's going to be a difficult place to play. Um, good news is Kentucky's full strength, at least they were, and I'm, I haven't heard anything the latest as far as Trey Mitchell goes. But, um, you know, being at full strength helped um, also against Ole Miss. And we'll have to see how. Uh, how how they you know handle that pressure of you know crowd on top of you nine thousand seats and and all that but I think I, I kind of would give Auburn the the edge as well. How Auburn. much did they miss because he's not statistically been you know dominant dominant but I was reading an article the other day that people didn't appreciate how much how disruptive it was when DJ was out. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I think he handles the ball well, and I think he's good about you know penetrating and kicking back out and that kind of thing. I think his defense is not atrocious for a freshman, you know, as you would expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think they definitely missed him, uh, you know. And, and you're right, he he's not been a big time scorer in every game, but I think he's been you know a facilitator and a stat sheet stuffer. Yeah. Don't try and say that five times. That's, oh, yeah. That's pa- Peter Piper it. picked a pack of pickled peppers there. So. Auburn, <laughs> I was just looking at their scores. You know, when, when they have lost, they've generally lost close. But, man, when they win, they just that's how, they clock. That's how Bruce's teams were as I long mean, as I've known them. 101 to 61 over South Carolina. And South Carolina's having a hell of a year. Yeah. yeah you're right about that. You know, and if, if Kentucky could take advantage of something, maybe it's the fact that they are going to be so fired up that if you can get off to a good start and make them think a little bit, yeah. you know, that might be the thing. Kentucky's not had a lot of great starts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so if they can have one of those, uh, get the crowd a little quiet and and make Auburn think a little bit, maybe that's, you know, a recipe for getting a win there. Yeah, Look, I, I, yeah, I agree. I've always said basketball is not an easy game to play with the veins bursting out of your neck. Football's okay yeah. to play that way, yeah. not basketball. So maybe sure. they are too fired up. You'll see. You never can tell. Hey, yeah. Keith, you take care of yourself. We'll catch up with you next week. As always, it's a pleasure, and uh, be well. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. You have a good one. All right. Keith Farmer with us here on, uh, on Fast Break Friday. We're going to have a little play a little game here. Let's see if you know. Put Paul to the test here. Based on current winning streak, who is the hottest team in each conference? And now I'm going under the radar. Like, it's not going to be much of a stretch to know that Purdue has won their last nine games. They're 23-2. and two. Yeah, you don't need to know. But do you know who's red hot in the Big Ten? Rockers. Who? Yeah. Did you say that on the air? Yep. You got it. He didn't even bat an eye. Who did you say? The Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Oh yeah. Are rolling, man. They are on a roll. Like the guy said, this is this is their best run, like in in the century. I mean, which, I mean, what, which let you know how far down how they've many been. they've won. They're fourteen and ten. They've won four in a row, all conference games, and uh, and they are playing at a very high level. They moved up from the what was pretty much the bottom of the Big Ten to they're tied for two, four, sixth. So that's pretty big surge right well, now. The hottest team in the ACC is would, in terms of current winning streak, I think it's Pittsburgh. It was Virginia, and then Pittsburgh won at Virginia, and now Pitt's won. What is it? However many in a row. Pitt has, Pitt has won, won four straight and six. It has won four straight. How many teams in the country in Power Six conferences have, are on four game winning streaks? I bet right nobody now. in the Big Twelve is Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers. Pitt. This is a, this is a fun little experience we're doing here. Let's go take a look in the Big Twelve. Anybody in the Big Twelve? The longest winning streak in the Big Twelve is. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say. That's, that's, I'm inclined to say two, but I'm going to go with three. It is three, and it's a surprising team there. Although not that surprising, they're ranked tenth of the country. But you know, you got Houston, you got Baylor, you got Kansas, you got BYU, you got Oklahoma. None of them. The win. The winner of this particular poll is Iowa State, who's fourteen and zero at home. Yeah, the, the magic Hilton Magic baby, mm-hmm. Hilton Magic. They but are, they've, they've won three in a row because I was thinking they had lost one. They've recently. won three in a row. They're tied for first place with the Houston Cougars. So that league is that league's wild, man. I got to admit that's in a Pac twelve. Is it UCLA? Are they the hot team? Well, I think it's well. The Pac twelve is only the Washington State, Oregon State. That's the only two that are still <laughs> the Pac two. The Pac two. Uh, hang on, I'm going alphabetically in the Big East. Who's hot in the Big East? Okay, let's see. I'm going to guess. Well, UConn. Well, yeah, obviously UConn. Well, UConn has won 13 in a row, but there's another team that's red hot. They, if you think about it, you go, oh, yeah, of course. But we kind of wrote them off early, and now they are rolling. Mm, Creighton? Mar- Marquette. Oh, yeah, Marquette. Marquette is fourth in the country. They've won eight in a row. 
Shaka Smart getting it done, 19-5, and because they were supposed to be good. They stumbled a little early. Yeah. We wrote them off. Shaka, he's no good. He stinks. He's terrible. <laughs> now he's smart again. He got smart yep. again. So That's why he has it. That's why it's his name. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. We move on to the Pac-12. I think we know the answer there. I think you hit it. I think it's uh, – well, not real. No, surprisingly, you know who's also red hot. That's it. That's why this is a fun thing to do. Has Arizona gotten on? Arizona's the again? won five in a row, and Mick Cronin's team has won six in a row. But you know who's won six in a row also? A true Pac-12 team, which means it's either Washington State you know, or Oregon State. Washington State. Washington State Washington, won Washington six State. in a row. They're nineteen and six. I have no idea who Washington State's coach is. Washington State's coach, I don't either. It's uh, it's Tony Bennett's father, Dick. From <laughs> that's where he was, but yeah, that's only forty years ago. I don't even know Washington State coach. I hope it doesn't come up as football. It is uh, nope. Typical, always football. Football always comes up first. You got to type in basketball. God Almighty, football's overtaken the world. It's like the Walmart of sports. Uh, it's Kyle Smith. Oh, of course. I don't even know who that is. I don't either. He, um, he was the head coach at <clears throat> he was the head coach at Columbia in New York, and then University of San Francisco. Wow. Um, he's he's at Columbia in New York for six years, San Francisco for four, and now at Washington State. He's done a hell of a job. This guy. He uh, was a Division three player. He's my guy. Played at Hamilton College. Twenty six and one. His Speaking of coaches, I, I'm trying to think of his name. The Scotty, the Davenport. man who was supposed no. to succeed Bayheim and finally left and went to Mike Washington. Hopkins. Mike I'll Hopkins. see him next week. He's still at Washington, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. I'll, in fact, the guy I'm doing the game with, my cousins, is a former manager at Syracuse. And when he was at Syracuse, Hopkins was there as the assistant. He said he and Hopkins got very close, so he's going to do the pregame interview with him. So we'll see. Because Hopkins was. Got tired of waiting for Bayheim to leave. Mm-hmm. Went to Washington, and he was celebrating in Washington. Then he—I wasn't sure he was going to survive. I thought he might get bounced. Yeah, they were struggling. But a how, bit. how are they doing, by the way? Let's go see how they're doing. I'm on the page right now. They're—they are. It's fourteen, eleven, nine, and four. Oh, that's nine and four at home, not nine. They beat Bellerman their first game. <laughs> oh, that should keep his job. Um, they beat Stanford and Oregon State their last two. They're six and eight in the league, fourteen, eleven overall. So. Uh, that is wild. So let's think where they're all going, by the way. Do we know off the top of their head? Uh, Arizona going to the – where is Arizona? They're going – Has that been decided? Arizona's leaving. Yeah, but, I mean, to, to where? Aren't they moving? They're moving to um, – They're not in the Big Ten. not in the Big ACC. 12. Is it Big 12? Where because they're not staying in them, so they've got to have a place to go. The Arizona Wildcats are going to be playing in the Big 12. Gosh, I didn't realize that. What about Arizona State? Them too? Arizona State, on the other hand, isn't it terrible? See, we don't even, that, but partially it's we've an East Coast bias. We don't pay attention so, to what's going on out there. Arizona State is going to the. So, how many teams are going to be in the Big 12 next year? None. There's only two. Oregon State Big Washington. 12. Oh, the Big 12. Sorry. There's going to be the Big 26, I think. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm asking. Arizona State is going to also the Big 12. They're going together. Arizona and Arizona State both going to the Big 12. So that's two more. Um, so how many are in there now? There's uh, – well, let's finish the big – let's do one topic at a time. Let's go to the – let's go back to the uh, – the, um, the Pac-12 and see where else we know everybody else is going. All right, here's the standings. We know Arizona and Arizona State are going to the Big 12. We know UCLA and um, Southern Cal are going to the Big 10. I mean the Big 10. <laughs> um, Oregon and uh, is Oregon's going to the Big 10 also, right? Stanford. I can't remember. Stanford Stanford's in the ACC. And, uh, and, and Stanford and Cal are the ACC. Cal are going to the ACC. Is Oregon? Oregon or? State stays there. USC and UCLA go to the Big Ten. Utah goes to the <laughs> – they go to the Big 12 also? This is embarrassing. I don't know. I really don't know. I lost track. Can't, they used to say can't tell the players without a scorecard. You can't tell the conferences without a scorecard. Uh, can't tell the conferences without an iPhone. 
That's true. Utah, new conference. They are going to the Big 12. So let's go see. Let's do it simple. Who's going to the Big 12 in, in next year? Um, Big 12 in 24 25. Because this will answer your original question. How Which many is how many? In uh, 2024 25. Here we go. And it says Big 12 grows to the Big 16. They got uh, Arizona, Arizona State. Well, here's the whole conference, including the ones that are already in. Arizona, Arizona State, Baylor, BYU, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Colorado, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, Utah, West Virginia. There you go. So the new teams in there are... Uh, West Virginia still sticking out like a sore thumb over there. <laughs> well, I don't, are they really sticking out like a sore thumb? Well, I guess ge- geographically. Are. Yeah, well, it, the whole thing is... But they said they were going to try and go coast to coast, and they are. So uh, that's what you got. That's your that's your league for next year. So wow. Um, and 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 I think I read this the other day that the Pac two, such as they are, are going to play in the Mountain West in football, and the West Coast Conference and everything else. I think. See the big West. That's the West Coast Conference. I, I can never West remember Coast. those. The big West Coast, West, the, the the Mountain big, West. Is there still a Mountain West? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah the Mountain West. The Big West. The, <laughs> there is. There's a Big West, and then there's the. the is West there still Coast a Conference. Pacific Coast Conference? Uh, no, that's the, what they were. That was the Pac. Good Lord. No, 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 not not the Pac-12. There was a Pacific Coast Conference. I think. I think that was the. I think that was the Pac-12. I'm almost sure. <laughs> I'm almost sure it was. I think. I think Pac, you're making Pac, crap it, up. It, it was the Pac-8 at one time. But I, I the think. Pacific, Pacific. Well, you're just. I'm sorry. This is so perfect. Here's what comes up. Pacific Coast Conference. The Pacific Coast Conference was a college conference in the United States which existed from 1915 to 1959. You only missed okay, see? 60, 65 years. My question you're was, wasn't the there? Uh, there was. no, I think my question was, isn't there? So, yeah. There, no, there was. Yeah, they, they, it was. It evolved into the pac Eight, and then the Pac-10, the Pac-12, and then uh, obsolescence. <laughs> That's what it's packed into. All right. We, uh, uh, Tobias, we can go to break here, and then we'll uh, do another hour here in Louisville. Those of you in Lexington, thanks for being with us. We will uh, get a short time out. Did we ever say goodbye to Keith? Yeah, oh yeah, I said thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Yeah. Try and listen. You know, that's your well, friend right I, in. Nobody on the show actually listens to it. I got, I got, the, uh, I got the seating chart. Looks like we have the roomy plane. We do. Yeah. Oh. Well, you're not going. What do you care? Oh, damn it. <laughs> I am. I'm not going with you to Duke, but I got to tell them I'm coming back from Duke two weeks from now. I got to let them know I'm yes, meet, meeting you, you there. Because for the people who don't know, I mean, it's certainly nobody's lamenting. We either get they're big jets, and we either get the ones with three seats on each side. And you get your you get a whole row more often than not, which is nice. But the leg no room, room is tiny, and then they have these planes, which not only have just two seats on each side. It's the same plane. It's just same oh, size plane. It's just different way seats. fewer seats, yes. and you you can go all the way back. I could fly to Europe in this thing. And don't get me started on the bathroom. Spectacular <laughs> bathroom. I was encouraging people to go on the plane. It was such yes. a nice bathroom. Oh, it's the best airplane bathroom I've ever seen. They have a whole. Did you know they have a whole kitchen in the back? Yeah. For the flight attendants, it's all in those metal cabinets. They open up. It's like a microwave. It's pretty pretty impressive. Isn't that called a galley? La 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 la. <laughs> With Pilot Paul here. All right. We'll, we'll take a, a short time. That's way, way better than the traditional plane galley. It's a, you, at least you're going in, in style to uh, where the hell you going Pittsburgh. Very nice. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, you're leaving when? By the way. You're leaving right after the show today? Yeah, well, uh, after he's airport at 4. No, oh, plenty of time. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More to come. Thanks for being with us. ESPN 680-1057. And all of you in Lexington, goodbye. We'll see you next week.